This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All our Torah Anytime viewers, because we're on the subject, right? Okay, so, um, uh, tonight we're learning And we also invite everybody to join us. Every woman to join us at 1601 Quentin Road at BGX every Thursday at 8 p.m. Okay, so, tonight is Rat Hashem, God willing, we would like to close off the the series that we, the mini-series in the series of, of reward and punishment. This is a very, very, very important, uh, you know, uh, topic to speak about. And to be honest, it's not spoken about enough. So, the, the fundamental principle of Judaism is that there is reward and punishment. Meaning, very simple translation, if you do good, you will be rewarded. If you do bad, you will be punished. Now, who decides what's good and what's bad? God, exactly. Whatever it says in the Torah. If the Torah says that it's good, then it's good. If it says, if it's bad, then it's bad. You don't decide what, if it's good or bad. You're not the one who decides, yeah, this is something that's good, this is something that's kosher, and this is something that's not. Only the God, only the Torah is the one that decided. Now, when God goes and, and God, um, judges somebody, it's a very, very, very precise, meticulous, and a very just judgment. Yeah. You said that, like, um, you don't really, really, like, know it's, like, good or, like, bad, but then like, in the Torah, it says you can't do this, like, you should do that. No, no, no. We cannot decide what's good or bad. The Torah is what decides what's good or bad. Meaning that, I don't want to get into because we spoke about this in, yeah, we spoke about this previously in the Divinity Series, but the concept is like this. The concept is that some people say, like, I think this is a good thing to do, and they do it. Meanwhile, who are you to decide what's good and what's bad? You have to, you have an infinite, you know, maker, uh, creator to decide what's good and bad, and that's what, that's what's really what's good and bad. What you're, when you're, not you, but generally people, and no, you also, um, have, we have small minds compared to God, right? So like, who are we to decide what's good and what's bad? Only God, who is there from the beginning to the end, will be after the end, and before the beginning, can actually decide what is right and what is wrong. So, when God goes and when God judges somebody, it's a very, very precise and just judgment. As it says in Tehillim chapter, in, in Tehillim chapter 98 verse 9, it says, Yishpot Tevel Betzedek. God judges everybody justly. Everything is very meticulous. Meaning, that there can never be a somebody that takes out of their mouth something that is known as the words, this is not fear. Little kids use it. Israelis use it, right? They use a little bit of different terminology, right? Zelofel. Right? It's the same thing. Alright? Is it like, you guys couldn't figure out a word? You know, like, uh, I don't know. Like, so, like, could you know why? Because there's no such thing in the Lashon HaKadosh as something that's not being pure. Because everything that God does is just. So they had to take something from the English language to put it in because it doesn't exist. So, instead of being zelo unjust, zelo fel, that's what they, you know, that's what they use. But, in any case, the, the concept of everything is, is very, 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 very Meticulous, and what we're going to speak about tonight, the focus of tonight is going to be the fact that way that God judges measure to measure. So measure to measure can be looked at, wow, scary, crazy, or it could look at like a beautiful mathematical masterpiece. It's like something that's so, that, that really is so amazing. There's a Gemara Sanhedrin, page 90, that says that what happens if somebody says that there's, the, the Torah does not speak about Tchiyatamitim, resurrection of the dead. Let's say that someone comes and says there's no such thing as resurrection of the dead. What is the punishment for that person? So it's very simple if you, Plug in the mathematics, measure for measure. If you don't say that, if you say that there's no such thing as as, uh, as resurrection from the dead, from the dead, then guess what? You're not going to get resurrected from the dead, and be like, well, is it all fair? You know, like that's not fair. Like, how come? Well, everything that God does is is measure for measure. Now, measure for measure in Hebrew is mida connected mida. It's something that you hear very, very, very often in Judaism. Now, why is this so special? Like, why is this something that that calls upon like that it's, it's a very high order it's something that is like so amazing that God does measure for measure what's the big deal what is so special about the concept of measure for measure so when Yitro went and he met Moshe Rabbeinu and he said that he heard all that God did and what did he say he said now I know that Hashem that God is greater than all the other gods now what is the thing that he that he heard what was the thing that he 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 realized he heard the concept of measure for measure Mida Kenegim Mida what happens to the Egyptians? The Egyptians, for example, let's go through a few examples. Egyptians went and they drowned the babies, the boys, in the river. So what's the measure for measure for them? If they drown somebody in the river, you're going to get drowned in the river. And they got drowned in the Yamsuf, in the, in, you know, when the sea split. 
the Egyptians went in, and then the sea collapsed on them, and the Jews were able to walk, you know, walk out free. Everything is measure for measure. Now, now, this concept is very, very important for people to understand their expertise. The, this is something I'm sharing you, with you from Rabbi Shimshon Pincus. So if somebody goes to a rabbi and says, you know, rabbi, I want to speak to you about some sort of issue. Now, the rabbi, if it's something that the rabbi is able to deal with, it's a specialty, he knows what he's talking about, then this is what he speaks about. For example, let's say somebody comes with a psychological issue. So, what normally what people say, listen, I'm a rabbi, I'm not a therapist, go to the therapist, deal with that of the therapist. My specialty is X, Y, and Z. You go do the therapist, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, their speci- specialty. Now, Everybody has their specialty and everybody has something that they could, uh, you know, relate to, they could advise to, and they could excel in. Now what about God? What's God's specialty? Like what is God, like what, you know, so the concept of God is God is, is the one and only. God has the specialty of everything. Everything is only one and one is only God and God is able to do everything. It's like the whole concept is of, of measure for measure is is the fact that God could retaliate and do everything in whatever your power is. So, oh, the Egyptians, you went and you used water, now we're going to drown you in water as well. The, you know, if somebody goes to, uh, you know, like a Jewish person says, what do you want to do with Haman? Hitler. What do you do with, with Haman, let's say? Right? Someone, you know, as bad as that, that caliber, Hitler, that caliber, what do you do with him? So some people would say, chop his head off, you know, send him into whatever, you know, torture, whatever it is that some people are going to do. Then you ask a lawyer, sue him in court, and then we'll represent both sides, we'll make both money, whatever it is, right? So you know how Jewish lawyers work, right? We'll get around from all, everybody has their little, their little, uh, you know, corner that they will go and, and work on. But you look at the way that God punished Haman. How did God punish Haman? Everything is measure for measure. Look how beautiful this is. That Haman was the one who he himself brought Estelle into the palace. Because Haman was the one who convinced Achashverosh to kill Vashti. He's the one who says, no, what are you going to do this? If you're going to go and you're going to allow, you know, Vashti to go and be the one to, 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 to speak up against the king and the king doesn't, you know, she's not listening to the king, then what's going to happen with all the other people? They're also not going to listen. So Haman said, you're going to have to kill her to keep your respect, right? Street cred, as they call it in the hood, right? You got to keep your street cred. If you want to keep, you got to do that. So they went and Haman convinced Achashverosh to kill, to kill Vashti. And then what? And then you, you fast forward throughout the entire story, you see the beauty of, of measure for measure. Who was the one that built the gallows? Haman. He's the one who built the gallows for, you know, you know, for himself, for himself. Even Haman was the one who the king asked him, what should be done for the king? What should you do for something that the king wants to honor? Haman says, oh, you're talking about me. Take him in his, in his horse, wear the royal crown, wear the royal clothing, and march him through the streets. So what did, Haman, what did Achishverosh say to Haman? You're the one, you're going to take Mordechai, and you're going to be the one that's going to be leading it. That's, everything led to his downfall. Eventually what happened from that, the, his daughter end, ended up, you know, long story short, go listen to my class on the hidden series of Purim, but the daughter committed suicide from that. You know, from, she saw that, whatever, the long story, not going to get into it. But you look at the entire downfall of Haman, it was him. It was God was like was using his own power against himself. You look at at Paro. Paro was the one who was like, "Let's kill every Jewish baby out there because the savior is going to be a Jewish baby boy. So we're going to make sure that no Jewish baby boy is going to come around." So not only was the Jewish baby boy came around, but who raised him? Who paid for the tuition? Paro. He was sitting on Paro's lap playing with the gold and the crown, and that was Moshe Rabbeinu. Paro went and he trained him. He's like, here, why don't you take the best, you know, you know, studies? Go into the highest, you're gonna be the next, you know, ruler or king, whatever it is. He was raised on Paolo's lap. So, God, the way that God works measure for measure, it's like, when you think that you're gonna be going against God, no, God is gonna use your power against yourself. That's the, that's, that's, that's the crazy thing of it. When you look at somebody who was, let's say somebody who was very powerful. So let's look at between countries, different wars, right? If a country is very powerful in the Air Force, they're going to utilize the Air Force. If a country is very powerful in the Navy, in the, you know, in, in whatever other area, they want to use that area, ground, air, whatever it is, sea, whatever it is, that's the one that they want to focus on. The way that God works is whatever you think you're good at, I'm going to use that. I'm going to take you where you think that you're strong at. So that is what it means, the one and only. There's only God that has the ability to do that. The... The beauty of this is, is that you, when you really think about it, like everything in life, the way that it goes down is that the people's, for example, let's say somebody is very successful up to a certain point and then they become arrogant. Their fall is their arrogance. Let's say somebody, um, is, is, you know, is, you know, let's not you give that example. Let's keep it PG. But everything that God does, God does 
in a very, very meticulous and a beautiful way. Do you guys see the beauty in it? Do you guys do you appreciate that? People will call it irony. You know, like, oh, look at that. It's not. It's all very, very meticulously planned out. I'm sure Jopinkas brings down the question. Uh, karma is another way to speak about God. Universe is another way to call God. People that don't want to call God. Mida can I get Mida, right. Because they don't want to say that there's a God. Exactly. And that... It's the atheists who realize there's some truth to it, so they gotta put a different spin on it, so they call it karma, they call it the universe told me to do this, uh, it's all God. Whatever. It's just somebody who can't convince, you know, they're lying to themselves. But anyways, different class, different time. It is. It really is. It's a simple, yeah. And just like the people cause their own downfall when they do evil things, Moshe's biggest impediment was his stutter, and he became the leader of That's beautiful. That's excellent. What you're saying is excellent, yeah. Yeah. Even, even, it's, it's a perfect example, thank you. Moshe Rabinu's stutter, Moshe Rabinu had a lisp, that wasn't a stutter, it was a lisp. He wasn't able to, he wasn't able to, uh, you know, speak. Why, where, where did, it, where did the thing come from? Where did the, when he burned his hand from, so he went and he had a, a speech impediment. Yet, he was the leader of, of the Jewish nation. He was the one that conveyed the Torah, like what you need speech for. He brought out from the most strongest, tight-knitted, you know, country in the world, like in the depth of black magic, with nobody ever escaping, he was able to bring them all out. Like to such an extent that you think about how it's possible. Maybe it was charismatic. No, no, no. There's nothing to do with that. Every, what you see over here is that everything is from God. Everything is from God. Or um, is this like the same thing or different where um, a lot of the um, time Hashem will like give um, people in really hard like situations? You mean tests? Um, I guess like tests, of, like let's say abuse or something, and then and then like they will like go on and, and become like therapists or open like rehabs. Is that like the same thing? Is it, like, so uh, you're asking a question that has <laughs> forget about layers. You know, you know different sections, and in those sections there's different layers, and in the layers are different subunits, and in the different subunits there are different zip codes, and if there's different zip codes there's different blocks, and in different blocks are different states, and if there's blah, 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 and eventually once you get to the houses there's different cabinets, and in the cabinets there's different sections. Like that's how, that's how heavy your question, that your question is. Um, and why do I say that? Because what you're asking is, is it, is it, it is, cause, cause, when you're trying to figure out why God does put somebody in a certain situation, we could start planning from today into tomorrow, but we don't know God's calculation. No, no, so, no. I'm saying like... You're saying measure for measure in the future. I understand what your question is. Like, I, could it be that like many things that God gives us, it's for then, um, it's like part of our like mission, and that's why God gave it to us. It could be. Depending on the person. And it could be not. Like, so that, that's what I'm saying. It's so many different, like, we, we're not God's accountant, so we don't know where everything plugs in. But it's possible. Yeah, you're right. It is possible that somebody was put in a situation because that's what they're going to achieve. But at the same point in time, you could ask, the reason why I'm saying I don't want to get into it, it's going to be such a, because then you can say, why does this person suffer for their future? Why should this, so there's a lot, there's a whole world of, of situations that go, so yes and no. So basically, I'm not answering your question. Basically, I'm saying, good question, good job, let's move forward. Okay, so I'm sure Shabigas goes and asks a question like this. It says that there's, the time of the Valley Owl brings down like this. It says that maybe, Perhaps, if somebody went and somebody learned a lot of the Torah, learned written, or learned his entire life, and then there's somebody who learns very, very little, maybe they will have an equal share in the world to come. That's what the Tanavilla asks. So, you know, I'm sure because, you know, like, you know, and the Tanavilla asks, why is this even a question? Like, are you kidding me? Like, let's say you have someone like the Vilna Gon. Let's say you have a rabbi that learns 22 out of the 24 hours a day. And they exist, right? So you list somebody that's learning nonstop. And then you have somebody that roams into class every Wednesday night. I almost said Thursday, but I decided to... Every Wednesday night, they roll into a class. Halfway through, they check their messages in the email because they're the president of the United States and they have to figure out what's going on. And then they listen a little bit here. So someone who learned a little. And then somebody who learned 22 out of 24 hours a day. What is even the, you know, the, the hobby, what is even the question to say that they have the same reward? Are you kidding me? One learned so much. One learned so little. What is the connection that they have the same reward? And the answer is, the answer to answer the question, so the question is a question, if you follow me with that, is that... If somebody goes and somebody learns Torah, what happens? They get connected to the God. To God. When you're connected to God, God is infinite. So when you're connected to the infinite, you have infinite. Now what happens if someone learns a lot and they connect to God? They also have infinite. So the question is, what's the difference between this infinite and this infinite? 
You understand the question? So the question is really a good question. Because at one point, like, okay, if you already learned, you're connected to God, that's it, you're done. You're connected, you have infinite. You have an infinite amount of blessing, of, 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 of reward and everything. Why do any more? At the same point in time, does somebody else who does more, does he get more? And the answer is, is that for every single additional moment of learning Torah, every single additional mitzvah that you get, you get, you know, you see sort of a renewed, an entire infinite connection. Now the question is, infinite plus infinite is infinite. Like, how do we understand that? And the very, very simple answer is, we have no clue. We cannot understand it. Because this is beyond our capabilities. The Rav Pika says that this is something that we don't understand. But... The way that it works, the way that God created it is that when somebody goes, and even though that you are connected to God, you have that infinite power, you have that infinite reward, you have that, that connection, it's still, if you learn a little bit more, you're getting a whole new infinite connection. And if you're learning a little bit more, you get a whole new infinite connection you know, above that. So the, the basic understanding of this is very simple. The more good that you do, the more reward that you get. The more bad that you do, the more punishment that you get. Now... When we, when we understand the, the, the concept of punishment, even when we back up a little bit, when you, when you look at the concept of doing a sin, like when someone does a sin, right? Why would God allow that? Why would God allow to do a sin? Why would God... Oh, very good. So God gives something in order to free will. This is that we know, it says in Bereshit chapter 9 verse 6, it says that God created us, God created us in the image of God. What does it mean, the image of God? God has free will, human beings have free will as well. Now, the, this is a very, very important concept that many people unfortunately misunderstand, that God does not want you to sin. Many people think, okay, God, I sinned, so God wanted me to sin, and then let's move forward. No, no, no. God does not want you to sin. But, He gives you the ability to do so based on your own free will. You have the ability to go and do whatever it is that you want. In fact, there's a Mishnah in, in Abu Dazara that goes and says like this. It says that the Gentiles asked the Jewish sages in Rome, and they asked them as follows. said, if God doesn't like idolatry, doesn't want, God doesn't want people to engage in idol worship. So why doesn't he just go and eliminate everything that has idol worship? Just destroy it. Just destroy everything else. So the sages ask, but what about, you know, people worship the star, the sun, the moon? Are you going <laughs> to destroy the entire outer space? Says so we need it. What? Because of some fools, we're going to destroy the entire, you know, you know the, the entire solar system? Like, where, where is it, where is it going to end? So the, you know, the Gentiles thought for a second and said, you know what, you're right. Says so then why doesn't God go and God just destroy the idolatry that is not dependent on anything? Not the sun, the moon, people that worship, I don't know, a, a piece of stone that they found. Like why doesn't God just destroy that? So the sages then said, what happens if some if all the idolatries that are nonsense are gonna get destroyed? But the idolatries that have some sort of purpose are not gonna get destroyed, then what's gonna be the people that are have the, that are worshiping the sun, they're going to say, aha, you see, this is the real idolatry. You're the fake one. You see, my God destroyed your God. So rather, God gives everybody the ability to do their own free will. You have the own free will to decide whatever it is that you want to do. The Gemara goes on from this mission. The Gemara, page 54b, goes and says like this. And says that God says, not only do the wicked people treat my stamping tool as if it was pro- public property, but they use it against my will. Now, what does that mean? That why is it that there's something known as a mamzel? A mamzel is somebody who is a baby that is born out of the union between a married woman that committed adultery with another man, and out of that union is 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 a baby that's known as as a mamzel. So is it why is that baby created? Like let the baby not not be able to create it because it's a, it's a, a you know. It's, it's a stain, if you could call it, on uh, you know, on the soul, or whatever. And then, you know, not getting into, into Kabbalah, but this, it, it's a it's a situation. It's a very also halachically has a tremendous amount of ramifications. So, why is it that God doesn't doesn't allow it to happen? God prevents it from happening. The answer is that God gave the the human beings the ability to have the stamp, the stamp to create a divine being. You want you could go and use it in an illegal way, create a child in an illegal way, a child that is not. In the, in the, you know, from the purest souls, uh, again, we can't get into this whole concept, because it's a whole whirlwind of questions, what happened with the body, you know, so I don't want to get into that, you know, at all, but obviously there's, there's a situation over here, who we can marry, who she can marry, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of ramifications that comes in. So God says, I'm going to give you the ability, it's in your control. You could do something that it's against my will, I don't want to do it, you force me to go and allow to put a child into this, you know, into this woman. Meaning that you could do something that is, not per se what God's will is. God's will is to do the mitzvot. You're going against the mitzvot, so you're going against God's will. Now, if somebody, we can even take this in any aspect, if somebody goes and, and doesn't, there's an halacha, 
rabbinic, biblical, doesn't matter. Pick your, whatever it is that you want. And you decide not to keep this halakha. You decide, I'll do everything, but whatever. You know, this is not for me. So, God wants this halakha to be kept. God wants you to do this halakha. But you do not want to do it. So in essence, you're changing God's will, per se. Right? Obviously, that, that, if you misunderstand that, that's technically kfilah. Right? So don't, don't take this the wrong way. You, you cannot change God. God is unchanging. But God, had a, God wanted you to follow the mitzvot. You're not following the mitzvot. So God gives you the ability to go and act against heaven. Now, the question is why? Why did God do that? Why did God allow us to have such power? You're talking about the ramifications that exist in every decision that we make is, is mind-boggling. You're talking about decisions that affect all eternity. Everything that you do is going to affect eternity. Where you decide that, who you can decide you're going to get married. What profession you're going to go into. What, where you're going to live. Where you're going to send your kids to school. Has not only a ramification and just what you you know, the see over here, for generations and generations to come, forever, it's gonna, it, it all depends on every single decision you make. Isn't that crazy? Tell it to somebody who already is undecisive, right? Forget about it. This is gonna rip out more here. I'm banging their hell against the wall. But like, if we understand the ramifications of every decision that we have, it, it's, re- it's really ridiculous. So why did God allow us to do this? And the answer is, is that even though the ramifications of doing something bad is so great, the, ram- the, the ramifications, if you could call it that, the benefit of doing good is so much greater that it's worth it. The risk is worth all that. All that is, is worth it. It's something we spoke about last class. We spoke about that, you know, 500 times God rewards more than God punishes. The, the concept is, is that all said and done, the reward and punishment, it's worth it. And it's worth it for you to have that. The, Abstention Pegas goes and says that he wants to ask somebody who, who worked in Israel's nuclear reactor in Demona. Anybody ever drive past by this? Anybody know where this is? No? Okay. So, in Demona. So, the, he, Abstention Pegas goes and asks him, says, how many years have you been working there? So he said, 17 years. So the rabbi asked him, says, hey, listen, you know, this, do, do the Israelis have an atomic bomb? So nuclear, you know, says, like, do, do they have it there? Um, did you hear anything about it? Any, you know, water cooler talk? Like, what's going on? You know, like, do they have it or do they don't have it? And he said, he said, not only do I have, there's someone who worked in the nuclear reactor for 17 years. He says, not only do I not know if there's a nuclear bomb or not, I have no clue what I've been working on for the past 17 years. They pass me something, they say, work on this, here's the instructions, I do it, I have no idea what I just made. And I pass it on to something else, and then it just goes. No clue! The, you know, in fact, the Israeli government works like this in many, in many areas. In the Air Force, right? They buy planes from, let's say, you know, America, whatever it is. They go and they bring the, they deliver the planes and the, uh, you know, or the tanks, whatever it is. And the Israeli government go and they, they, they bring a bunch of different, you know, pieces and they say, take this part out from America, put this one back in. What is it? Don't ask questions. You just, they're taking things out, putting things in, swapping things here, turning here. No one knows what they're doing. Everything's doing, but yet, they're very sophisticated somehow, right? They're just doing something. So the rabbi asked this guy who worked in the nuclear reactor, says, I don't understand, don't you get bored? Aren't you just like, you're just like, you know, following this protocol? He says, no, no, he says, there's such consequences if we mess up. He says, we don't have the opportunity to get bored. He says, we're making sure that everything, there's so many penalties, there's no time to get bored, there's no time to, to make mistakes, because everything is set up in a, in a you know, particular way. The way that it works is that God gave us commandments. God said, you know, on, for, you know for the next few days, you're going to be shaking the love and talk, you're going to be sleeping and living in a hut. Why? Don't ask questions, alright? There's a bigger picture going on over here. Do it, or there's penalties, right? And then, a short while later, you gotta lean to the side and you gotta eat a piece of cardboard. Why? Don't ask questions. Just do it. There's ramifications over here. We're talking about nuclear reactors over here. We're talking about, now obviously we know, you know, the concept of why we do mitzvah. We know the things about it. But the real essence of why we do mitzvah, it's beyond us. The real essence of why we do things, it's only God. Let's hold the questions. I wanna get it, cause we're not, I wanna, I wanna try to get to more, cover more ground. So, at the end of the day, why we do things, it's all in God's hand, and God created the world, and God says, you take this machine out, and you put this one in. And you do it, and then it flies a thousand times faster, and it's more powerful, and you don't ask questions, because if you ask questions, you know, you get put in a little black, not, not, the truth is, that doesn't work that way in Judaism, you can ask as much questions as you want. But in certain government agencies, when you ask too many questions, um, right, so speaking about the Russians, so um, the... <laughs> Delayed reaction over here. The, in the, in World War II, there was, you know, the, the Germans 
you know, it, like no one was sure when, when it broke out, no one was sure where was safe, what was safe to do. You know, it was, if anybody learned the history of World War II and the way that Germany and Russia, it's like a crazy, like, the way that everything, you want to see how God's manipulating everything, you see that. There's, there's no way that they were able to do any of that other than by God's hands, you know, uh, you know manipulating it. But when you go and uh, during that time, they weren't sure. There were people from Russia that ran to Germany. There were people from Germany that ran to Russia. They were, no, no one else to do. Everyone's escaping to other places. And everybody, you know, no, so one, they went over to the Briskorov. And they asked him, what will be? Like, what are we supposed to do? So the Briskorov answered something that's amazing. He says, what will be? That does not matter to me. He says, all, the only thing I need to know is what is permitted and what is forbidden to do. That's what I do. The rest, what will be, is not in my, your business, right? That's all in God's hand. You have to do what you need to do. I've had this conversation with people. I don't know. Maybe it's only me because I speak to uh, you know quite a few people on an hourly basis. That um, you speak to somebody and you have a conversation, and they're telling you, you know, like everything is wrong with what the prime minister in Israel is doing. Like they could do such a better job in prime, whatever Israel is doing. He's doing this wrong. He's doing this wrong. Five minutes later, the conversation, you know, changes, and all of a sudden, he's the president of the United States of America. He says, you know what Trump really should be doing? And then a few hours later, a few hours later, a few minutes later, you know, all of a sudden, he's running Amazon, and he says, if Amazon would be smart, this is what they would do. I'm like, this is a person. And by the way, this is what I'm explaining is a typical, um, what we call them, yentas, uh, you know, like, a, you know, like whatever, a typical, you know, person. And, uh, you know, they decide they know what's best. They know exactly what's best. This is what they should do. This is what they should do. This is what they should do. If you ever ask anybody for advice, right away they'd be like, you know, of course I know what to do. And you go and you and they answer you everything they need to do. The the way that you know what if it's good when you're asking a person for advice, if you're asking this person a lot of times for advice, and sometimes they say, listen, this is not my expertise, go speak to this person. This is what you need to focus on. Or they speak to this person, this is what you need to fo- focus on. Because that's someone who knows where they are and they know what their 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 strong parts are and they know where where they're able to um, you know advise on. When we're going and we're deciding what's best for this and what's best for this situation and what's best None of our business. We have to obviously do our research, ask the right questions, make the right decisions, but ultimately, it's all in God's hand. Everything is God's hand. But at the same point in time, everything is in God's hand, but every decision that you make, you're responsible. You're either going to get reward or punishment, punished for your, for your decision. You realize that every, there's no, let me ask you a question like this. Is there a neutral thing to do? Think about it for a second. I'm not going to answer that. Is there a neutral thing to do? Is there something that you could do that's not, no ramifications, no reward, no punishment. Like huh? Like wait, either someone's getting weight or losing weight. Right. So, I'm, I'm not going to get into that, but it's a very interesting, if you think about that, if you think about that for a second, that there's nothing neutral that you do, or there is something neutral, I don't know, I'm not telling you, right? Either, or, either way, but if you think about that for a second, like look at what every decision in your life is going to bring you, either reward or punishment. Yeah, if neutral is gray, then neutral is bigger than gray, than black and white. So whatever it is, there's a reason why I didn't want to get into it, and that's 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 one of the what's that's one of the reason. Oh, <laughs> okay. So now the when you're looking at the decisions that we make nowadays, the ramifications are so much greater than it was. You know, let's say somebody doesn't keep Shabbat nowadays. So back, you're talking about let's say a hundred years ago, right? Somebody wanted to break Shabbat. So, all right, they go and they light a match, you know, the, the, whatever it is they want to smoke. They, they're doing something to the carry, whatever it is, they're breaking Shabbat, right? So, that they're breaking Shabbat, they're breaking one prohibition, two prohibitions. Nowadays, somebody gets into their car, turns on the engine, and drives for 45 minutes. You know how many times they, they broke Shabbat during that time? It's, it's an unbelievable amount of times that they did every time that the sparkle, you're talking about, Thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands, I don't remember the exact number. Somebody once sent me, it was a mechanic who just, who sent me once a breakdown of it based on the RPM. This, it's, it's crazy the amount of times I break Shabbat. So the ramifications that we have nowadays is not like, okay, fine, I broke Shabbat, I drove something. No, 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 you don't understand the ramifications of what it means to drive somewhere. You don't know what it means if you're using your computer, you're using a TV on Shabbat, like what is the ramifications of everything, every single thing that you're doing? <clears throat> the, Michelle Salanter was, um, Brought up an interesting, an interesting. Uh, oh, it's tonight. It's the fun game that you get to play, right, in Brooklyn. Gunshots or fireworks? Yay! Let's play the game. Okay. So now the because you ever 
Uh, give me, give me one minute. Uh, you ever you know, walking, driving, whatever, and all of a sudden you hear like a large explosion, and it ha- I don't know, near me it happened so much that I'm like, yeah, probably a tire popped, somebody. Uh, la- last thing I say would be like when I was, uh, you know. Today, my kids had, you know, Baruch Hashem for camp, that they're off today for some reason. Yeah, so, they're, so, so they were off because Jews have to celebrate for some reason, July 4th. I don't know. So my kids were off, and we took them to the park. And then there was a large boom. And, I, and for a second, I stopped for a second, like, oh, what is that? It's very loud noise. And then for a, it didn't even stop. For a second, I was like, ah, whatever, nothing. I'm like, how do you know? Like, why did you go investigate that? Like, there's like little children right now. It's not, the, you know, the, it has been before that there were maniacs that were walking around with, you know, armed with Bibles, you know, like, and, and, you know, things, it's, it's, it's something that we don't, we're so used to it, we don't even realize, like, the, it, you come desensitized to it, you come desensitized to these things. Okay. Anyways, Rabbi Salsalanta, right? So Rabbi Salsalanta went and says, you know, people think, people picture that they go into heaven after 120, they're going to have a bundle of sins, a bundle of merits, they're going to go over there, they're going to put their sins on the table, and okay, fine, listen, obviously we have to pay for the sins, so we're going to do whatever it is that we need to do to, to, to pay back for those sins, and then we'll have Gan Eden forever. Because the sins, Ganedin, right, for a certain amount of period for most people, right? For certain people extra credit they did, obviously, then they're staying there for a very, very long time. Uh, but for the majority of the people that were good Jews, they, were, they stayed for, you know, for, for a short sentence. So they go over there, and they, they get into, they figure that they're going to go into, into heaven eventually, and then they're going to stay there forever. So Rabbi Salaam how do you know that? So what happens if somebody goes, and Rabbi Salaam says that somebody is, is, is he's, he's likely to eat the mitzvah, and eat the tzimis, the dessert, in this world. Meaning, that sometimes a person could go and use his reward for his mitzvot in this world. So how do you know when you're getting to the next world that you have anything for in the reward pile? Maybe you used everything in this world. So Rabbi Yitzhak Blazer goes, Rabbi Yitzhak says in Kach Ve'ar, he goes and explains like this. He says that when Avram Avinu went and he defeated the four kings and he went and he saved Lot, and he was, he was scared. He was like, maybe, he was worried. What was he worried? He was worried that the fact that maybe I used up all my merits. Listen, look at his history. He went and he was saved from Nimrod's fire. He was thrown into the fire furnace and then he got out. And he won the, you know, the battle. He's like, maybe I lost something. And who's he afraid of? You're talking about Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu had 10 tests. He literally put his son up to be, to be, uh, as, as a kolban, as a, as, as a sacrifice to God. And he was nervous, and maybe he went and he used up, maybe he went and he used up his merits. So, the concept of using up your merits is not a far, you know, you know, far concept. The, you know, the Gemara Sanhedrin, page 101a, goes and says like this, says that Rabbi Eliezer was one time sick. And when he was sick, he, his students came, and he was on his deathbed, and they were crying. Rabbi Akiva, one of the other students, came and he started to laugh. So said, why, why Rabbi Akiva, why are you laughing? So Rabbi Kiva said that in his entire life he saw that his rabbi had a very, everything was very successful. Everything was where his wine didn't sour, his flax didn't spoil, everything was going well for them. So he thought maybe my rabbi is getting the reward in this world and not in the next world. But now that I see that he's suffering, now that I know that he's getting reward in the world to come. So there is a possibility that you have reward, right? We're talking about reward and punishment. You have reward, but how is it, how do you know that maybe your reward is used up in this world? How do you know that your reward is gonna, is gonna stay for you for the next world? So we're gonna give three different answers. First of all, we have to understand the concept of how is it possible to use up reward, right? One mitzvah that you do is worth so much more that all the benefit and power in this world, all the pleasures in this world doesn't even equal to it. So how can you use up your next world reward in this world if, the, if it doesn't balance out, if there's no currency? 500 to the punishment, 500 to 1 to the punishment. But this is, you're talking about different, you're talking about reward over there to reward over here. Now that's not 500 to 1, that's worlds apart. Not even five billion to one. Different, different, different worlds. So, and the, and the Gemara Kiddushin goes and says that there's no reward for mitzvah in this world. There's nothing comparable. However, there's a very interesting, um, there's a very interesting concept that when, let's say somebody's traveling in the desert, and they're traveling in the desert, and they are so thirsty. Have you ever been so thirsty, and you're looking around, for, and there's like, and so imagine you're traveling to the desert. Anybody ever been to Israel? I, that's what I would assume where people would be in deserts. Anybody be in a desert in Israel? Yeah. Like, and you're like doing a hike and there's nothing to buy in, in the area, right? Masada, what do you say? Oh, Masada, yeah. Well, Masada, there's, there's drinks everywhere. But I'm talking about like a real hike, like a place where like there's nothing, 
Like, like not an organized hike. Like you get lost hike. You know, like one of those type, right? So, let's say imagine this person. It's hiking, it's hiking, it's hiking. And they're so thirsty. And they suddenly, they see, you know, Ahmed with a push cart, you know, in the desert with a little umbrella. And he's selling soda. And you're like, no way. And you run over. It's not a mirage. It's really, you know, he's, he's standing over there for some odd reason. Who knows? Right? He's going over there and he's like, and you're like, do you have, you know, what do you have over here? He says, we have Coca-Cola, right? Everything only Coca-Cola. And you're like, okay, is it kosher? And he's like, yeah, of course, kosher. Yeah, they have here right over there, you know, the hefsher. Over there, it's the OU somehow again to Israel, right? And you got the hefsher on the soda itself. Everything is kosher. You're like, that's unbelievable. There's one problem. You don't have small change. You ask him, how much is this? He says, one dollar or whatever, five shekel. And uh, whatever the currency, 3.5, right? So uh, you're like, all you have is a block of gold. Right, because whatever, you know, you're a high roller. So uh, you have this block of gold, and you're like, you have change, you know, for like 15 grand? And be like, no, I have, you know, a few shkalim, a few dollars, but that's about it that I have over here. No credit cards, no internet, right? So there's nothing that easily, he's like, you know, so you have here a block of gold, and you have a can of soda that you really, really, really need and want. And you're like, so you tell him like, can we do something? He's like, there's nothing to do. So he says, either you pay me, the price for the soda, or you go. I'm not giving it to you for free. Nothing here is for free. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go, and if you're so thirsty, and you're dying of thirst, you'll give that block of gold worth 10, 15 grand to this Arab merchant to take a, a cup of soda or a cup of water. It, it, it's worth it. There's, not, there's no other option that you will have. The Even though that it's not a true payment, even though that the payment is not really equal, you know, of equal value, the same thing is in this world. Really, in this world, there's nothing of equal value. But if you use up your rewards because you're not utilizing your 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 decisions, your free will properly, that means you're you're paying for things that you're using in this world illegally. It's going to use up your merits. And what are you going to do? It's ten. It's fifteen thousand dollars for something that's worth a dollar. Oh, it's not fair. Be like, no one asked you to buy this. Keep on shopping. Keep on walking. Oh, you wanted this? Okay, so get it. So how do we understand this concept? How do we understand? Let, let, let's break this down. Rabbi Salsalanda says, and we brought this down before, this world is a very expensive hotel. That at the end of the day, you're staying at this expensive hotel, you're going to have to pay the bills. You're going to have to pay the room, the charge, you're going to have to pay any, if you took little chocolate chips or whatever it is in there, you took a, opened up a bottle of water, you're going to pay $65 for that water, right? Because it was your water directly from heaven, you know? All water is like, but anyways, this is water from heaven, with the price of heaven, right? And you're going, and you're paying for everything that you have to do because that's the bill that you have to pay. But what happens if, let's say, you work for a certain company, and you're working for a certain company. So when the bill comes, you're like, okay, you just swipe it on the company credit card. There's no problem. You don't have to worry about anything because this is, this is, the, this is a, a business expense. So it says Rabbi Salaam that it all depends on how you are. If you're in this world, you're a profitable businessman. And that's not talking about in the financial aspect. That's talking about in the spiritual aspect. You're doing what you need to do. You're following God. You're following the Torah. You're following the mitzvah that you need to do. And you're doing everything that you need to do. So fine. So you use something. That's on God's, that's on God's account. But if you're not listening to God, if you're not following the Torah and mitzvah, and you decide you want to live your own life in God's world and you're not following the rules, you better pay up. And oh, you don't have anything to pay up, so it's going to come out of your reward. Oh, but it's not fear. No one asks you to buy. You wanted to buy, that's the price. You don't want to buy, you want to buy soda? $15,000 gold bar. You don't want to buy it? Keep on walking. Oh, you wanted to use this world illegally for your pleasures without using the correct ways? So guess what? You're going to end up paying. What's going to be the, the, you know, your, your, your currency of your, of your rewards? The, that's answer number one. Answer number two. If Rabbi Yitzhak Blazer goes and says that, Chilul Hashem, desecrating God's name is the worst sin. So worse is that all the suffering in this world is not enough to remove the sin of Chilul Hashem, desecrating God's name. Says Rabbeinu Yonah that there is a way that you could atone for Chilul Hashem. How is that? Through a Kiddush Hashem. But if you desecrate God's name, the way that you atone for it is by making a Kiddush Hashem. What? Ultimately, yeah, to that, to that extent, that's what the Rambam says, that that's gonna be the, the final part of it. Even after all the suffering, a person has to go and die. The Rambam says, but the, if you want atonement without that, somebody wants non-death atonement, uh, or, or like, uh, you know, a little bit of a better option, it's a Kiddush, not a little bit, a lot of a better option, that's a Kiddush Hashem. So how do you wanna, you wanna protect your reward in this, in, you know, in the next world? What you need to do, very simple, do, sanctify God's name. How do you do that? Different class. Okay, you can figure it out of yourself. Right? Sanctify God's name, right? And it doesn't call with Allahu Akbar, um, you know, 
Okay, that, not, none of that. The honey, here's all you funny. They're telling people who do bad things, they're showing a bad example of what it is, so they're sanctifying God's name by showing them the punishment that bad got. I didn't follow that. Say one more time. <laughs> like if someone's doing something bad, right? Right. And then someone's doing something good, then they both get equal measure for what they did. So they're sanctifying God's name by showing that evil gets punished, technically. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> technically, yeah. But you don't see that. Um, I'll tell you what I've seen, but I had a student... I had a student of mine that told me a story last week, last Shabbat. And I was like, when I heard this, I'm like, like you're ridiculous. You know, like what was, what did he do? He goes, and when he was in Israel, he went and I don't know how the story came about and I don't recall everything, but all I know it was, it was two people arm wrestling. One was a Yeshiva Bacha, the other one was a Palestinian. Right? How it came, I don't remember the, the connection, but it ended up that way. Right, so the pal- there was a Yeshiva guy and a, and a Palestinian. They were arm wrestling, and so my student goes. He takes he takes he had a flip phone. He takes a phone and he's up as if he's taking a picture. Now the Palestinian sees a flip phone, right? Obviously they're living in the gutters, but they don't know what they've never the flip phone. Like what do you mean? They're, they're the smartest, most advanced cell phones over there. Like what's a flip phone? He's like, and so my my student's like pretending to like take a picture, and then he's like, ah, just kidding, doesn't have any pictures. And then my student says, ah, he opens up the phone and he goes, boop 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 boop, and he's like, ah, I'm like. Don't joke about that. Like, he was literally joking about making an explosion sound, you know, like, he's like, and he was explaining, he's like, you get it? Because the Palestinians, they blow themselves up with the cell phones and the bombs. And I'm like, there's certain, th- you know, you don't make jokes, you don't make jokes when you're on TSA line about bombs. You don't go, boop, 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 yeah, did I pack my own bags? No, of course not. I collected it on the curb for 150 bucks. Someone paid me. I'm traveling this, uh, a bunch of white bag of stuff over here and a bunch of green bag of stuff over here. I don't know what this is. You know, like there's certain things that you don't make jokes, right? As a TSA and to the people that you may or may not suspect as being those people that may do the boop 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 right? Those are the people that you don't make those jokes to. So like when, when you know, I don't know how we got to the explosions, but yeah, welcome to my mind. Okay, so anyways, going on, Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz, while we're on the subject. So um, the third, so one, we said to protect your reward, he says you do a Kiddush Hashem. Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz goes in the third way to say it, it's the third way to protect it, is he brings down the story of David HaMelech. Uh, Natan Hanavi, the, the prophet went over to David HaMelech, and he, he wanted to go and give him a rebuke for, a reproof for the incident with Bathsheba. And... He goes and he starts and he asks David a question. He says, two men are in town. One rich and one poor. The one that's rich has many, many flock, has many cattle, has many things. The poor one has one cattle, one, one sheep, one little lamb. And the rich man had a bunch of people come over and he wanted to go and, you know, shakht, you know basically slaughter and, uh, you know, produce some meat for, for his guests. So he decided, but he didn't want to take any from his own cattle. So what he decided he's going to do, he's going to take from his neighbor's cattle, the poor person. And he takes the one cattle that this poor person has, he steals him, he, he, um, he shakts him, and then he serves this food to, to his guests. Says the prophet to David Amalek, he says, uh, what should be done with this type of person? David Amalek got very angry. He says, this person, he deserves death. This is a death penalty. So the Natan go, the, the prophet goes over to David and says, you're that person. He says, you had everybody that you were able to do. Why did you take Bathsheba? Why did you take Bathsheba for it? Rav Chaim Shmulevitz goes and asks a question like this. He says, why did Natan have to go in a little bit of an allegory? Why didn't he just go and give him the rebuke, give him the reproof straightforward? Why did he have to go through an allegory? Why did he have to go through all around about way to go and tell David what he wanted to tell David? And the answer is, says Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, is that a price has to be fixed to the sin that he just did. Now what is the price? Who is the one who's going to decide the price? Measure for measure. You're going to be the one who's going to decide the price. So the, the prophet goes over to David and says, what is the price that should be? He gave the price and then he gave him back. This is, and then he says, you're, you know, you're this, you're this man. The way that it works, says Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz, is that every single one of us is a very, very important concept. We set a price to our, to our reward. We set a price to what is valued. So for example, if, let's look, let's speak about for, for a guy who's learning, learning Gemara. He's learning Gemara and then, he gets a phone call. And it's a phone call. There's sometimes there's important phone calls, sometimes there's not important phone call. This phone call, eh, not so important. He picks it up, he's like, hey, what's going on? What's up? And he starts schmoozing with his friend. So what he's really showing is that this phone call is worth more than this ma'ah that he learns. 
right? So he's putting a price to the Gemara that he's learned. So let's say there's, you know, that the, there is uh, somebody that that has to dress modestly, and the people, you know, that is very important are the people um, in this room. Uh, so they have over here. An, an, an option that you have to dress modestly or you don't dress modestly. So you say, okay, I'll dress modestly when it's cold. When it's hot, I, I'm not going to dress modestly. So, oh, so you're putting a price. So the price of modesty is all depending on the, you know, the temperature outside. That's what you're, that's what it's valued. Oh, but if it'll be worth more for you. So, so you're the one who decides, it's a very scary thought. You're the one who decides what your own value of your own mitzvot are rewarded as. If somebody has a class that they go, every, let's say, you know, every Thursday night, whatever, you know, throwing out a day, right? Every Thursday night they go to a class. But then they say, okay, listen, I just want to eat ice cream at home. I just want to sit at home and eat, I just don't want to buy. So ice cream is worth more than a class for you, right? Whatever, it's nothing to do with this class, BJX, every Thursday night at 8 p.m. It doesn't have nothing to do with that. But, <laughs> but it happens to be you're putting, it's a scary thought. It's a very, very, you're putting the reward on it. So let's say you have your, you know, your, your niece's dog's birthday and it's like a class or a dog's birthday and you know, like, it's not a bark mitzvah, but you know, it's a birthday, you know, like, whatever, you have different kinds, you're like, okay, so everything that you do in life, you're putting rewards for it. You realize that, that you're driving in the car. You have the ability to listen to a class or listen to music. Now, I'm not saying music is not allowed. I'm not saying, I'm talking about kosher music. You're allowed to do whatever it is that you need to, that you need to do. You're relaxed. You need to, whatever, unwind. But the fact is that, let's say you're relaxed. You're unwind. You're like, yeah, I could go for a class. But you know what? I want to listen to this song for the 10,000th time. And you play that song. So you're putting a, rewar- you're putting a value to your, to your mitzvot. Rabbi Chaim Shmuelavitz goes and explains that, yeah, you could. Ev- you don't know, but you're you're setting up. You're your own accountant for the next world. That's the scariest part. So what happens with that? So somebody chooses music. What happens in the yeah, next world? Yeah, music would be a good thing. Like, Are you talking about music also? Like, no, it doesn't oh. anything. Like, okay, so then what happens? You, you're choosing, like, let's say the music, or not just the you know, So then what happens? So the reward that you're going to get is based on the import. What Chaim Shalavitz is going to explain is the reward that you're going to get is is. I want to say partially connected to the to the importance that you put on something. So some people, let's say for example, um, it's not how committed you are, it's how important, everybody falls, let's put it that way. It's how much you value it. Yeah, it's how much things that you value. Put it this way. Let's look at it the flip side. Let's say it's very, very difficult for you. And this is why I think you all understand that a lot, a lot better. If it's very difficult for you to come and learn or dress modestly, let's speak about dressing modestly, right? Let's say it's very, very difficult for you to dress modestly. And I'm not the one to judge because I don't know. I, I don't know about these tests. Baruch Hashem. But it's very, very difficult to dress modestly. And you go and you work to dress modestly. And then there's somebody else that's very easy to dress modestly. Are those two people getting the same reward? They're not. You're right. The one that's more difficult... Gets it a lot, a lot. Oh, sorry. Okay, you get a lot. You get a lot. A, a higher, much higher reward because it's it's more difficult for you. Meaning that the measure for measure. I don't know if you understand where we're going with this. The measure for measure is not only in an aspect of divine punishment and retribution. It's also the level of the punishment and the retribution. It's everything that goes. The, that's what I'm saying. The more that you think about it, the more crazier and beautiful that it gets. We can go on and on about this for hours to break it apart, but it, it's it's if you just let your imagination run a little bit on it, like everything is on it. The importance that you put on it, the reward that you. Get on it. Everybody has their own tests in life, and everybody's going to get rewarded based on their own tests. So, right, Everything is depending on your, on, you know, on, on the difficulty and, the, and your actions on it. The let's finish off with uh, with with um, with a thought like this. That Ramosha Goldstein goes and brings us down, and he says, and I actually quoted Ramosha Goldstein actually, you know, a few times in this class. The Let's say somebody goes and doesn't, you know, he was religious and goes off, doesn't, decides not going to be religious anymore. So let's say somebody was, grew up very, very religious and then they decided they're leaving everything behind. So the first time they do that big sin, they think that there's going to be a lightning come down from heaven, going to zap them and they're going to die or whatever, it's like crazy thing is going to happen. And then they go and they do that big sin and they're looking around and like, no punishment. Well, you look at that. Huh. And then you do it again. And when you when you speak to people that went off, and they, they were very religious and went off, they say this, they, they say this very concept. Like I thought, like the world was going to end. Like I was going to, you know, eat something not kosher. And I thought the world was going to end. And they eat the not kosher, and the world just went on. And they're like, oh look at that. Oh, what's so big deal about it? Like everything goes on. And it's a it's a very big problem that nowadays, 
a lot of people don't speak about the concept of reward and punishment. People don't understand the concept of reward and punishment. Even people that were, that were raised and brought up in a religious environment, reward and punishment doesn't mean that the second that you do something bad, God is going to zap you from heaven. The second that you go and you break Shabbat, that you're going to you know, get electrocuted by whatever it is that you're doing. Whatever it is, and he, right? Okay, to to it could be right. It could be taught in the wrong way, it, but that what that God that that oh um, whatever like you do like we were gonna burn like in hell and like the fires are like gonna come right so. The yeah, truth is, yeah. when you're dealing when you're dealing with strict <laughs> divine punishment, you have to deal deal with both. You have to deal with reward and punishment. Now, people get turned off sometimes for right reasons, and sometimes people get turned off because they're just looking for a reason to get turned off. I'm not I'm, I'm not nothing to do with you, but I'm saying, like, I'm saying yeah yeah I know, but I'm saying that people. It all depends on the way that it's conveyed. It also depends on the person that's receiving the message. What's the background? What do they want? If somebody that's been abused their entire life, if somebody that went through so many hardships, and then they come and hear that they're going to go to Gehenom if they do blah, 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 they're like, you know what? I've been tortured my whole life and in the afterlife. You know, like, so everybody has their, their own. So on a personal... Well, it's still no excuse. You're right. But everybody, you have to do on the same level. But as an overall, as people that are speaking in, in the public, people that are teaching in the public... You have to have both. You have to have reward and you have to teach about punishment. Because guess what? You need to know if you're going to get punished for something. It's not going to be like, you know, you get up to heaven and be like, well, you didn't keep Shabbat, you didn't keep modesty. Oh, but you're such a good person because you're so funny. Uh, whatever it is, be like, why didn't you come upstairs? Yeah, forget about that. You know, it doesn't work that way. As much as I wish that it would, it doesn't. The way that it works is everything that you do, you get either reward or punishment for it. Yeah, it could be. Again, I'm not God's accountant, so I don't know. But uh, God works in mysterious and amazing ways. So yeah, God could be. But am I going to say, put it this way. There's no excuse for anybody not to keep Shabbat, not to keep kosher, and not to be religious. You know, unless it's a life-threatening situation. Besides, that's what the Torah tells us. Besides that, is there any other, does anybody know, is there any other way to go and not and violate the Torah? Okay, fine. As you want to take baby steps, take your baby steps. But baby steps got to go to big boy steps or big girl steps, and eventually it's got to take to adult steps, and then you go. Some people are in baby step mode for the rest of their life, and you'll be like, "Yeah, there's time, but you know, you don't got the time. You know, like, you know, you're you're halfway through the grave, and you're not, the, you know, you're still doing your baby steps, and then it's a big problem. Again, I'm not judging, or I am, but I'm not. I shouldn't, and I won't, so I will. Um, but um, the, you know, the it, it is what it is. This is what the Torah says, and we got to follow it as much as. You, you, you know, you have to understand, it's not something like, people that speak harsh do not enjoy it. It's not like, oh, let me make them suffer. And be like, well, maybe some do, I don't know. Uh, but majority of people don't. It's not, it's not enjoyable to be like, hey, if you're not gonna listen, it's gonna be very hot for you. Not in a good way. Not in a Miami, Florida summer way, right? That's not, you know, whatever, depending on who you ask, if it's a good way or not. But it's gonna be very, 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 very difficult for you. You know, this, that's what it is, that's what you need to do. Let's, let's, you know, let, let's explain it like this. So this is very, the one thing that you need to know, and this is very, very important, is that whatever you decide in life, God is going to get his way. That's the end of the day. How is it going to come about? That's up to you. So meaning, let's use this example for, you know, let's say somebody, um, the type of person that loves cake, right? This is the type of guy that, uh, he's like, you know, he could, he gets the calories just from the, you know, like he just smells the cake and he's right away five pounds, right? He's just like, it's like, it's like just everywhere, like, you know, like he breathes it in, right? It's like, you know, it's like, it's inhaling it. And, um, he, you know, so obviously he, he weighs a little more than he should. And, um, the world is tilting a little bit, right? It's not on axis anymore. And, uh, he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, listen, you're, you're on the brink of diabetes. You better watch yourself. And his wife is over there and says, from now on, we're going to... Obviously, she's not speaking that way. I'm just me. Whatever it is. But, yeah. So she 
You know, she says, from now on, you're going to eat broccoli, and you're going to eat salad, and then you're going to cry. It's going to lose your weight, right? And then the guy goes, and he's on this diet starting after Shabbos, because, you know, obviously it doesn't count. Whoever decided that, I don't know, like, uh, God doesn't matter, but calories don't count on Shabbat. So, anyways, so he goes, and um, he starts his, his uh, uh, you know, his diet. A week goes by. He's miserable, he's angry, he's crying, you know, his wife is crying, because whatever. It's a, a whole situation, right? Everyone's losing weight. So, uh, and then finally, you know, comes, you know, like he's walking down the street, and then, uh, you know, his addiction comes back, he smells that aroma. He's like, ah, oh, uh, you know, and he's like, you know, he swivels into the bakery and inhales some cake, and he's like, you know what, I'm only in a diet at home, you know, like I'm only modest in a certain zip code, whatever it is, right, certain people, right? So he goes and, and, he, and, and, he, and he starts eating again. And meanwhile, he's, he's eating, he's eating, he's eating, until finally he has to go back to the doctor, he gets and he says, listen, now's the time to decide which insulin we're going to give you. Like, what's your dosage of insulin? Realizing that now it's serious. So he's like, okay, now that he has to pick it, now it's like getting serious, and now he's like on a very serious diet, right? And it lasts for like, Three weeks, you know, and it's almost going on the fourth week, and then there's a huge kiddish in shul, and he goes over there, and then he falls at, you know, and while he's pounding all his um, his delicious olam haba, and he's going inside over here, and suddenly he collapses, he collapses, he gets rushed into the hospital, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, Hatzali comes in, it's a crazy thing. All of a sudden, he is in a situation where he's in the emergency room. He realizes it. That's it. You know, now he's really losing weight. And he's not touching cake again. Like, he went through this situation. He went through the punishment. He went through whatever he went through. And he's like, no more. No more breaking. No more falling. No more going down. I'm going to fix myself. And he goes and he loses weight. Now, did he have to go through that, that process? No. He could have gone and avoided all that by losing weight right in the beginning. But yet, he thought that he was better. He was smarter. And he was going to go this way. At the end of the day... God is going to get his way. The question is, is it going to be through insulin? Is it going to be through the hospital? Or is it going to be just without all of that? At the end of the day, you have to do what you need to do. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, we all have to do what we need to do. The question is, are we going to listen to God? Are we going to decide that we're smarter, we're better, we know more, and we're going to decide this way, and then maybe, maybe, maybe later, and it doesn't work that way. God is going to get his way. Either it's going to be in this world, you're going to get the punishment in the next world, or you're going to out. Whatever it is, the one thing that I could recommend to you, it's not worth it. Right? Listen to the Torah. It's very, 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 very much to your benefit to listen to Torah. In fact, it's so much worth it that the punishment, like we said, is worth it just for the reward that it existed there. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. There's so much beauty to it that when you go and you delve into it, you realize that not only you get the next world, you also get this world because everything that you swipe on this world is all going to be on God's credit because you're a salesman that's producing profit for God and not working for yourself. And hence, everything that you're doing over here, you get reward over here and you get reward in the next world. Let's open it up for some questions. Uh, first of all, is that very clear? Some people, yeah. Just nod. I thought it was going to be everyone with them. Yeah. yeah okay. You mean what? What is going to be your punishment? And what's going to? What kind of, what kind of, if you, 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 every have to wait after the day after this. So let's say later you got to leave it so now So so I no. So I have to be very clear. If so, yeah, it's never nothing in life is black and white. So if let's say somebody right, if you need to listen to music, whatever it is, I'm not. You are normal. Whatever. Yeah, it's a normal situation. It's just you rather than listen to music. That's just your hand. Which is fine. Do, am I going to say you're going to get punished for that? Not punished, but you think you're setting a price for it, which is... Yeah, that, that part. That's where I'm from love it. So it's not me. Yeah. Well, nothing is me. I'm saying, uh, yeah, but let me say... No, from now on, does that mean that every single time you're able to change every single, you realize something very important. So let me explain it like this. Every single, so let, okay, so maybe it's a good thing that you brought this up. Uh, here, let me explain something like this. Every single prayer that you have, every single prayer that you do is unlike any other prayer that you had before. Every single prayer that you, so let's say somebody goes and prays three times a day, right? For men, requirement, right? You pray three times a day. Every single prayer is nothing in worlds different than the prayer that they had before. Even though they're saying the same things, they're going to say, but there's, there's a whole different, there's different emotions, there's different background, there's different psychological, there's different situations, different standing, different, every, different tire, different food. There's so many things that the equation is never the same. So even though, let's say you, you go and you decide, you pray once and you don't pray at every time, it doesn't mean that all your prayers now are exactly this value, right? Again, 
I'm not God's accountant, I'm not God's actuary. So I don't know the formula that God's going to use and say, okay, well, you use this over here, and blah, 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 and all these state cases, and plug it all together and do that. All I can tell you is what Chaim Shlavitz goes and explains. And he says that each and every single one of us, to a certain extent, we put a price to our own mitzvot. Oh, does that mean that every single, let's say you, you're, you're so exhausted that one time you need to do something, and you do it. Does that mean that it nullifies everything else? Not necessarily. Maybe, yeah, maybe no. I don't know. I'm not God's accountant. Hashem will like then expect expect more like from 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 you, but then like in in the end, it also like benefits you because it like makes you a better person. Right. So once once we get everything goes hand in hand. Everything is zelu madze. Everything is hand in. Everything is on a balanced scale. But. I, what I, my my purpose was to give you an understanding of it, not to go and and you know try to figure out what's your weight and everything that you have yeah. done in life. We don't know that, but but the, the 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 concept over here is is to realize the importance of every action that you do. Every action that you do has importance. Th- don't think about it the negative. It's very important to think about it the positive. Meaning that it's very very difficult for you to do something, and you do something. Think about all that reward that you're going to get from that. So think about the. It's much easier to accomplish a lot more in life by thinking about instead of thinking about how much am I going to get punished for this but rather how much am I going to get rewarded if I do it so instead of saying oh this is bad but like if it's so hard for me and I do it still imagine the reward that I'm going to get if it's so hard to come to a Thursday night class right whatever you know like and I still do it then look at all the reward that you're going to get for that push it for the forward yeah The suffering that they have. What you're saying is, you're saying the rabbis have moved away from the physical pleasures of the world. Yeah, all the big rabbis move away from the. They 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 don't want. You look at all the big rabbis' houses, right? The tiny little. You know, when I was in Israel, I went to Reb Chaim Kanievsky's house, right? So you walk in, and then there is. Like farm on the wall, and then you make a left, and you look. You could see into the bedroom over there, and then you make a right. You go into his room, and his room is just like you know, full. He has like a stender, you know, at the table, and people just walk around. Nothing fancy. He would be able to get a very, very fancy. He's not interested in that. He's interested in just learning. That he doesn't even notice that anything else. Like that. I mean, some person may have like a fancy I mean, house and be just I mean, as like, wonderful. Like, yeah, they could. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, like, like how. We don't really like what could look bad, bad to us is really good in God's eyes. So like, you don't know what is good and what is bad. Yeah, so that's something that you're dealing with more in like Kalmanda Abd Rahman Latabavid, Gamzulatova, everything's for the best. It's a whole different topic in itself. Which what you're saying is true, yeah. Everything is really ultimately for the best, even the suffering and even the yeah. bad that we that we see it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an excellent question. I had somebody that asked me that this week. He came over to me and says, I don't want to do any mitzvot because I'm only doing it for the reward. So is there a point in me doing mitzvot? So I'm like, yes, you do that. Of course you do that. Is there? So if let's say somebody's doing things, the, the concept is, balishma, that if someone does something for the wrong reason, eventually it will come to the right reason. Meaning that if you're doing something for 100% the wrong reason, but it's the right thing to do, you keep on doing it. And yes, you will get rewarded for it. And yes... It depends. You learn, you learn, like, to, like, appreciate it. I'm, I'm saying, at least, like, with you, that, that's what... Well, if you're doing it for the reward... Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to put yourself into that situation. Like, you're going to you're gonna hate it, and then you can do it. It's going to be more difficult for you. And then, <laughs> so, the the generally speaking, let's say you're doing something for the wrong reason, and, and you keep on doing it because you know that it's right. Can you come to resenting it? It's possible. 
is that the right, the, it, what you need, really need to work on is, is re, you really need to work on the right, work on the right mindset the, of, of what you need to do. Obviously, continue doing it, because if it's right, it's right. So even if whatever it is, reason that you need to do it, you need to do it, just keep on doing it. But if it's something that will bring you to resentment, then it's not that you have to stop doing it, it's you have to change the mindset towards, towards it. So people say, okay, maybe I should stop the action. No, stop the thought process. You have to, you have to fix a problem at its root, not at, at its cause. Yeah. I guess, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Well, the cut. Well, we can understand punishment and reward. We just don't understand the depths of it. We don't know the right. So we don't. You're talking about in the next world. We don't understand what's right, which is 100 percent true. We don't know the depths, which is 100% true. So we don't know the depths of what is reward and what is punishment. We don't know the suffering. But we do know the concept of good and bad. We do know the concept of reward and punishment. Yes, we cannot comprehend the extremeness of it, the level of it, the, the understanding of it, but we do understand the basic concept of it. So we know that you do something good, you get reward. You do something bad, you get punished. To what extent? You're right. No one knows how bad the suffering in Ganoma is. No one knows how great the suffering in, in uh, the, I mean, the reward, the pleasures in Ganet and in the next world in Olam Abba is. We don't know all that. But we do know the concept, and when you have that, you can, you're able to plug that in and say, okay, listen, I know this is good, this is bad, and it's going to result in reward or punishment. What is going to be that's true. How how much pleasure you're going to get, or how much punishment you're going to get, we don't know, because we can't. It's beyond our capabilities to understand. When yeah. someone goes through a certain difficulty and they overcome that challenge, Hashem works perfectly, so He's going to reward them in that specific challenge. Maybe in this world, or like the other when they lost Mitzrayim, like they were told they're going to get a lot of gold and like money. So someone said, why would they need that if they're getting the Torah? It's because God said that they suffered, like, physically, they're going to get rewarded physically. So I'm sure he has it, like... You're saying it's just like somebody who suffers over here should get rewarded in this world, in the physical sense? Yeah, I mean, that sounds... So what you're saying is actually very interesting. When you look at it through history, it's it's technically, it's usually like that on a broad, on a broad scale. So after every time that we the Jewish people are expelled from a certain place, there's always a period of flourishing, of, of you know, of excelling in financial, emo- everything else. So you look at after the Holocaust, right? So after the Holocaust, you know, came about, there was a lot of period of suffering, and then there was a period of tremendous relief. The Jewish people had a state. And in for many years, people had financial, you know, the abilities of people able to make money people are able to go so like they had the ability to do that and it's always like in waves so you do technically see that people punish and God gives them a reward and then you know they get too much into the reward and then they fall down and then whatever it's a cycle so in a sense you see that in a broader spectrum but when you're dealing on each and every single person's life we're looking at a person's life in what we see right now we don't know the previous reincarnations we don't know what God's plan is we don't know all the details of it so yeah it could be previous suffering is now why you're getting rewarded it could be a previous reward that you're doing now you're going to get rewarded more and more again we don't know the, the most important thing that we have to realize is that don't look for reasons to say this is why God did this, this is why God did that we could look at it and, and you know in hindsight and be like wow this really worked out for the best yeah, for like me sometimes in hindsight like you I had a boss that was not paying like the, the whole school and everything. The school closed down. She's trying to move business. It's not working. I met someone like she was really like not a good principal and like. So you could see, yeah, you could see how God punishes and God rewards. But at the same point in time, you could see people that were Nazi commanders and they lived life to the very ripe old age. So yeah, so like you know, we're not God's accountant. God. Rewards and punishes each and every single person to their own, you know, extent where it's going to happen in this world, the next world, both. We don't know. So that's like a scary thing because like I keep like telling myself like I'll get rewarded one day, but like some people don't, you're saying don't get rewarded that whole entire life? I'm not saying that some people don't get rewarded. The, the pasuk says in um, the pasuk in the Torah says in if you go and you follow my commandments, then you will get, you will get rewarded. You'll follow, as long as you do what God needs to tell you to do, God will take care of you. How, to what extent? I don't know. I have no clue. And nobody knows. But you follow what you need to do, God will take care of you. That's the way they... Very, very simple concept. You do not lose out if you listen to God. That's why there's like faith, right? Um, to a certain extent, yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? No? No questions from the virtual world? No? Okay. All right. Good. 
חזק וברוך. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.